back to the Thundercast. My name is Chevy Blackburn. I'm with Anthony Colasuno. And we're going to be talking about some of our fall sports that we had this weekend. Yes. So I'll have you start us off with soccer. Yes. Uh, Southern Utah soccer, 7-1 and one on the season so far. They had two games over the weekend on Friday and Sunday. And also they are 2-0 and oh in Western Athletic Conference play. The first game, SU won 2-1 to one over University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley, the Vaqueros, and they were behind at the half, and then forward Kate Shermer finds the back of the net twice in the second half to give SU the 2-1 to dub and start 1-0 in conference play, and I love what Kai Edwards is doing with this team. Last year, they were so young, and now they bring so much experience from transfers to uh, Natalia Sepulveda, who trained with the uh, Mexican women's national team, mm-hmm. Mexico's women's national team, over the offseason um, and gained so much experience from that because that's huge, training oh, with yeah. a national team, oh, yeah. you know, because you're playing against other players that, you know, have grew up in the same background as you playing soccer or life, but, you know, either they're doing at the professional level or whatnot. And then on Sunday, in a nail-biter, Southern Utah took care of Stephen F. Austin, 1-0 the final score, and freshman Addison Larson stepped up and ripped one off of a touch touch shot off of uh, Whitney Wansgaard's past just outside the box for the only goal of that game. And, you know, also, you know, just shout-out to, you know, Megan Short, our starting goalkeeper. She's done so well this season just keeping the ball out of the net for the Thunderbirds. And, you know, she's a huge transfer, came from uh, University of Colorado, Boulder, so Pac-12 mm-hmm. school. Just a huge showing by her, and I believe she's still ranked nationally in save percentage. So definitely great on her. Yeah, and honestly, every time we talk about soccer, it seems like they're only allowing maybe one goal game, like max. Yeah. Like, that. every time we've talked about them, it's been like 2-1, 2-0, Three zero scores like that to where its defense is definitely playing really good right now, yeah. and the offense is nationally ranked as well. Yeah, and I just did a little bit of math in my head while you're talking, and I did a preview on a uh, you know preview slash recap on soccer. Mm-hmm. They were twenty three and two after uh, scoring wise, uh, outscoring opponents twenty three to two after the Cal State Fullerton loss. Mm-hmm. Now they are twenty six and three outscoring opponents this season only allowed three goals so far yeah, that's that crazy. is amazing defensive wise that's that's something that you really never hear of in uh you know in soccer you know football wise you might hear oh they outscored you know american football not not football um in uh american football yeah. uh you know just as you know split the subjects here but you know you might hear oh you know the thunderbirds you know, scored X amount of points and they're giving up this amount. You know, say, you know, they gave up 20 over the first, like, three games, which is really good, but sometimes that's heard of even from NFL teams. You know, they gave up 20 over the first three games and they scored this much. But in soccer, that's really not heard of, of that, oh, through the first eight games of the season, you're outscoring opponents 26-3. to That is just ridiculous. That's a pretty big points difference, especially since there's – the scoring system's one point. Yeah. Like, that's – you said it was – what was it again? What was the scoring differential? 20 – 26 to 3 in favor of the Thunderbirts. So, yeah. 
That's that's just crazy. so that's a twenty three plus goal differential, which I don't know how the WAC does like tiebreakers, but usually in soccer and in you know professional leagues they usually do it by goal differential. Mm-hmm. So we're plus twenty three in that category. Which if we're in any tiebreaker, we're gonna win it outright just based off of goals scored and goal differential. So I'll start us into volleyball real quick then. And awesome. volleyball had it was it was a little tournament they had. It was Southern Utah, Arts, SUU, Idaho State, and I know UNLV played, and I believe part of it was uh, not I believe I know part of it was uh, tech. Utah Tech. Yes. So they, because UNLV went to Tech on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Or not Saturday. Saturday, yeah. Saturday. Yes. They did a little uh, road trip, Utah, for the mm-hmm. UNLV Rebels. And in their, uh, in the Thunderbirds' first game, we played UNLV on Friday. And they uh, beat us 3-1 to one in the sets. So I was looking at it. It seems like it just kind of per usual – SDU kind of got to a slow, got off to a start or slow start, and couldn't really mount the comeback. They only won the third set. The other sets were pretty big point differences, about eight. So you have you no, know, you have twelve, eight, and twelve again. Okay. And SDU only beat UNLV once in that third set, and that was only by six. Hey, still, you know, it's a good job by oh, yeah. S- SDU volleyball beating a UNLV program that over the past couple years has been considered and ranked in the top 25 times. And, you know, going into this tournament, they beat 19th ranked Kansas, mm-hmm. you know, and that we at least got one set win against them and we made the game semi-competitive. That's, that's a plus. Exactly. And Idaho State played them, I believe it was later that night, right? So it was later that night they played UNLV. So Saturday we played Idaho State. Yes. And on Saturday... We actually got off to a better start than we had in the past. So the first set we won 25 to 21, which is really good because like I, it seems like almost every week we're talking about how slow starts kind of just plague our volleyball team mm-hmm. right now. And the next set we lost two by two, lost the third set by two, came back in the fourth set and won uh, by five points, 25 to 20. And the last set was the one that really I looked at. It was 15 to 6. Idaho State just beat UNLV. And UNLV just beat a ranked Kansas Jayhawks team. So obviously we're the best. Yeah, because Idaho State beat UNLV. We beat Idaho State. So in the food chain, we're at the top. So we're better than, uh, you know, a possible top 25 ranked team and one of the favorites in the Big Sky Conference in Mm -hmm. Idaho State. So. We're the best. But, no, honestly, it's good for uh, the girls to go out there and get their first win of the season. Yeah. I think it's going to be really helpful to kind of try to change their season around. Uh, and it's going to be tough because they are 1-8 right now to turn that season around. But they have a chance. There's always a chance in sports. Oh, yeah. You give any team momentum, and if they take it to the moon, mm-hmm. that team is the most dangerous team out there. doesn't – does not depend on experience or anything like that or, you know, player player caliber. If you give a team momentum, they're going to take it to the moon. Yeah, and one thing I want to really uh, emphasize is the errors between SU and Idaho State University. Yeah, Idaho State University. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idaho State had 37 to SU's 25. So that's a like just being uh, 
basically disciplined. Yeah. That was a huge part of the victory because that's a 12 difference. And if you look at the kills, SU was down 57 to 60 to Idaho State. So that was obviously one of the key parts to that uh, victory for us. And then we'll go into cross country because our men's and women's had, I believe it was a meet. And it was in Riverside. Yeah. So it was the Riverside Invitational in for UC Riverside. In Riverside, California, they had the men's and women's out there. And the... <clears throat> so for the women's, they scored 149 points for the event. And they were finishing with just nine more points in Arizona, who took first place. Okay. And eight more points than Cal Poly, who claimed second. So I'm trying to find where it says where they placed exactly. Uh, I am not finding that. But you said I women's. Believe it was, I believe it was third for women's. They placed. Sorry about that. So, yeah, women's placed third in the event. Nice. And that's from the weeks prior. That's really good because they were kind of hovering around like mid pack, mid pack, just a little bit below maybe. Now a top five finish. And I saw, like, you know, going through the athletic calendar wasn't. I can pull it up as well. Yeah, third out of 31 teams. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of, That's a lot of schools. cross-country programs. And, you know, Arizona won it, but we were only a little bit behind them. That's a Pac-12 program. So mm-hmm. shows, you know, cross-country. And it was only nine-point difference. Yeah, and cross-country, you know, has been the bread, of, bread and butter, uh, you know, one of the underrated sports here at SUU mm-hmm. because we used to be in the big sky, which is, you know, Kind of like the S, you know, for like football, college football fans, like the big sky in uh, cross country is kind of like the SEC mm-hmm. of, you know, cross country or, you know, in football or where you want to uh, call it. And that, you know, Northern Arizona was always the best, but we were right on their tail. So like, you know, they're like Alabama. We're like Georgia because one year we beat them for the cross country championship. And it was such a huge deal around here because that was an automatic berth into the NCAA tournament. Oh, yeah. And at the time, NAU was ranked the number one team across the board. They were favored by so much, and we beat them. Mm-hmm. And that was so huge. Um, and now you can go into men's cross country. Yeah, and the men's team was uh, led by Travis Feeney and Isaiah Labra. Uh, they recorded 90 points, those two. Uh, themselves recorded 90 points, and it placed, us, uh, placed SU second in the field. Out of nice. 30, I believe they actually had 31 for men's, I think. Or 30 for men's, I think. Yeah, 30 for men's. So they're second out of 30 teams. That's good. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so going back to who really led him, Travis Feeney, he had a uh, great outing. He finished fifth overall and fourth out of collegiate runners with, with a time of 23 minutes, 55 seconds. And... Uh, Labra also had a good performance. He took tenth out of and and oh took tenth and ninth out of call, uh, collegiate runners to give SU two top ten finishers, and he finished with a time of twenty four oh three, twenty four minutes and three seconds. Right on. So 
it was honestly like just a really good performance for both teams, cross country wise, men's yeah. and women's. Definitely can run faster than me for sure. I, the, you I don't know. even want to try that. <laughs> I, I want to try, not at all. I don't even want to look at the numbers I'd put up. <laughs> <laughs> and now going to women's golf, the team that can play better than half of the other golfers on the planet. Um, you know, you know, uh, SU Women's Golf finishes play at the Court Lane Collegiate Invitational. Uh, they shot a combined 309 for the final round to bring their three day total to 914 overall as they finished 19th um, on the team leaderboard. Overall, the team finishes a 62 over par, so not too bad, mm-hmm. you know, considering they bring, you know, three to four uh, players for that respective tournament. So when you think about that, you know, not too bad. Uh, Sacramento State won the whole entire thing, and they finished one under par as a team, which is insane. Well, you have to think, in Sacramento, or California in general, they can golf year-round. That is very true. That's so, very true that's as well. That's a big thing. Also, there's very nice golf courses oh, beautiful. in California, just in general. Um, you know, the rest of the top five was Nevada second, Gonzaga third. They're the host of the tournament. Oral Roberts fourth and UC Riverside fifth. So California teams made their presence be known in the top five. So was this in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that, so, Gonzaga was hosting that there? Mm-hmm. That's, yep. That's good, though. I mean, it's common ground for every team, it seems like. Yeah. And freshman Sarah Roma Borison led the way for the T-Birds in the final round, shooting a three over par 74, after telling an impressive 13 pars and adding one birdie throughout the day. I know golf, that's pretty good. You par 13 out of the 18 holes on your final day and then birdie one of them. Women's golf, you know, still beginning the season run. You know, they have a lot, they you know have a lot more tournaments to go through. I think they can definitely be a threat in the whack, you know, they're they're finishing strong in tournaments mm-hmm. on the last day from what we've seen, uh, just doing the Thundercats, but also reading results. They're finishing strong in the last day, which is always important because you could have a team be discouraged and get out of shape and out of momentum on the last day. They're not. Yeah. They're finishing their strongest in the last day, which, you know, if they, if they come into a position where they can win a tournament, that's going to be so good in their favor. Oh, yeah, because they basically stayed, stayed even kill, basically, right? Yeah. You don't get too high, get too low. And although, I mean, they had a, they had the first two days where it was kind of spotty, finishing off an event with a good day or just a tournament with a good day is always a good thing for no matter, like, no matter what sport you're playing. Yeah, like for sure. Like, it's just momentum. And oh, hopefully yeah. it can carry over, and that's basically what try to build on in the sports is that momentum. So, yeah, for sure. And now we transfer into one of the best weeks here at Southern Utah University. It's homecoming week, but also it is rivalry week, the one week we love. And now with us being in the whack with the school down south of us, um, you know, Utah Tech or, you know, Utah Tech. um, And this weekend we have plentiful of matchups and two matchups against Utah Tech. Chevy, you want to break down the first one for us? First matchup against Tech this weekend would be for our volleyball team. Yes. And they'll be playing Tech on Saturday at 
12 p.m. Mountain Time, and it is going to be here in the American America First Event Center. So they came up into the Division One uh, conference yeah. last year. Yeah, year last before. year was there. Last year, or the year before, and overall, looking at women's volleyball for Utah Tech, they're six and three in the season. Wins over Northern Arizona, Cal State Fulton, uh, Nevada, Tennessee State, and Idaho State. They got swept by UNLV, zero to three. And looking at the box score, it was first set 25-14 in favor of UNLV, 25 to eight in favor of UNLV. And then Utah Tech made it competitive in the last series, winning 20, I mean, UNLV winning 26 to 24 in the last series. So the first two sets were all UNLV and, you know, Tech struggled. But now this game is going to be SU Volleyball's second conference game. They head to, uh, on the road this Thursday, face Cal Baptist, mm-hmm. and they play back home here on Saturday. And for some more sports, soccer is also this weekend. They have two road games, one up against Abilene Christian on September 23rd, and then they face Tarleton State on the 25th, both on the road. Mm-hmm. So far, soccer is 2-0 and in whack play, which is seriously super good. Let's see if they can continue it. Uh, the trend I'm seeing is that some of these Texas, Texas soccer programs in the whack they're struggling right now. They're kind of having down seasons. So hopefully the Thunderbirds can take advantage of that. And leading into the biggest matchup of the week so far, Utah Tech travels up here to Cedar to face to face our Thunderbirds in the Eccles Coliseum. Yeah, for football. So, honestly, we've been talking about this in our classes with professors and stuff like that for, I mean, obviously the whole week now, basically. Yeah. And you can, that rolls over to Twitter, too, sometimes. Just a bit. <laughs> uh, but we're thinking, like, we're just talking about it, and they're honestly really similar teams. Offenses that... Well, kind of. So, Tech has a really good quarterback and a really wide, really good wide receiver, and that is their biggest tandem. And they have, I like, believe it's over 200 yards in the first two games yeah. together. Uh, but our defense has been the strong suit of our team. Yes. That has been our strongest side of the ball. Our offense kind of sputters at times. We've seen that against uh, Illinois. Western, Western Illinois. Illinois. SU did win up against Western Illinois, 17-10. to 10. It was a close one. Isaiah and Isaiah Wooden, our man, he's in one of our classes, um, caught the game-winning touchdown with 33 seconds right, uh, left on a beautiful out route. Justin Miller just heaved it down the field to Wooden. Wooden sent the Thunderbird faithful home happy as western illinois heartbreak city for them yeah and western illinois is in the missouri missouri valley conference missouri valley conference and that's like i believe we talked about it last week that's a pretty good conference yeah they have south dakota state north dakota state Mm -hmm. plenty of teams uh missouri state was this past weekend up up against 10th ranked arkansas at the half Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. arkansas gained control in the second half and just took it away but yeah when you know you have a you know FCS school leading a top 10 FBS school in Arkansas. That's a serious conference right there. So definitely, and also the SU defense has come up big so many times. 
right now they are currently tied for first in the country in recovered fumbles. So they like, you know, stripping the ball, punching out the ball, and recovering and getting on top of those fumbles. Mm -hmm. And also they are ranked seventh nationally nationally in the country in interceptions. Yeah, that's our secondary. Who was the transfer from... Help me with this. From BYU? BYU. Mitch, Mitch Price. Mitch Price. I feel like adding someone who has experience against higher-level teams kind of helps everyone else in the yeah. secondary because he can break it down to everyone. Like, obviously, it's not as high a uh, level as com- of a competition that he would see at BYU. So it's honestly good to have someone come in there and just be, like, an impactful player. Because he's been all around the ball. Yeah, also we have, you know, three defensive players that came from Frostburg State. So uh-huh. they're they're familiar with uh, Coach Fitz's uh, defensive scheme mm-hmm. and what he can do. Also, I think one of the defensive coordinators is also from Frostburg State yeah. that Fitz brought uh, along with. So it's a scheme that they're very familiar with, and they just flourish in that. And going back to Isaiah Wynn, he is currently tied 13th in the nation for receiving touchdowns. So for this year, three, three for this year. year, So right now tied 13th in the nation for receiving touchdowns. Our man can do it all very quick, very fast. And, you know, I think he can be a huge threat in the game this weekend. And last time out, SU played uh, Utah Utah Tech, then known as Dixie State University, but they Mm -hmm. changed their name. Uh, They won 52 to 0, but granted Dixie State was a, or Utah Tech, was a D2 program at that point. Uh-huh. And the year before, in 2019, they also played the Thunderbirds beat Utah Tech 36-7, and over 10,000 fans packed Echo Col- Echoes Coliseum for that game. Uh-huh. And then the one thing, not going to say which professor it was, but he did say that Tech's defense is like Canyon Views, uh high school's defense. <laughs> so basically, they're not to the level that they should be. Yeah. I mean... I think either way it's going to be a good game because it's not like our offense has been super, like, superb and just prolific, right? I mean, the first game was great for Justin and the receiving yeah. core and tight ends, but they have to find a balance for passing and running, and once they figure that out, that balance out, it's going to help the team so much. Oh, it, it is so much, and, yeah, the defense has been doing their part, obviously. Oh, yeah. Shut down St. Thomas, went on the road against – Utah nationally I mean, ranked program. A, they, they had a fumble recovery and everything. So that's yeah, and they had plenty of chances to possibly intercept a pass or two. And then we help we hold uh, Western Illinois to ten points, mm-hmm. a Missouri Valley Conference team. That's huge. Yeah. So it's you know, it's great seeing the Thunderbird defense do that because over the past couple of seasons, you know, me and Chevy have watched a lot of SU football. The defense has struggled. Yeah, they've kind of. Not saying they were, but they were. They looked like the weaker point. It kind of seemed like the whole team just didn't know. They just didn't seem like they were in it. The whole team, but the defense. They didn't know their identity as a team, mm-hmm. and now Coach Fitz coming in. That's that's why I love Coach Fitz. Is that he's bringing everyone together, mm-hmm. and that's what I love seeing. Is that you know you look at the defensive offense side of the ball. Player goes down automatically. Teammates helping them up. You know, they're communicating out there. You can see hand signals left and right on the field. Hey, you got that man. You got that man. Hey, I got this guy right here. You know, oh, yeah. you know, post route, post route. You know, stuff like that. They're communicating so well that that's just a huge factor in the dominance we've seen up against FCS schools for the Thunderbirds. So it should be a good game. And I think, honestly, 
if you like football, I think they're going to be really evenly matched teams. I think this is going to be a really good matchup. I hope to see Eccles uh, Coliseum packed to the masses. I hope to see that because this this is basically our game of the season. You know, this I mean, is. I would expect their fans to travel too. Oh, it, fans are going to travel, so, travel so well. The second game. Yeah. We play them again later this year down to St. George, Utah, where uh, Tech is located. Yeah. N- you know, no matter what sport, whenever SU will play Utah Tech now in the WAC, it, fans will travel well because oh, yeah. it's a conference matchup. It's going to be our biggest rivalry now, second to Utah Valley. The Weber State ri- rivalry we used to have in the Big Sky is kind of fading out a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, this is going to be the marquee matchup in every sport now. I expect basketball to be packed, volleyball to be packed. It's going to be amazing to see both of these teams play each other and just see the travel from us going down to to St. George to Utah Tech fans coming up here to Cedar City. It's going to be amazing to watch. I think this football game is going to be the best one we're going to have in a while here at Echoes Coliseum. I think fans from both sides are going to show up. And that's about it for this homecoming Thundercast. For me, Anthony Colasuno. And me, Chevy Blackburn. It was honestly, I think this is going to be one of the best weekends for sports here. Absolutely. That so. is all for the Thundercast today. See you next time. 